listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about memoirs and interviewing author, podcaster, YouTuber, actress, actress, she does, there's not a thing that this woman doesn't do, Anna Akana. But first, what are you reading, Bria? Oh, I'm reading a short book. I'm in the midst of doing things, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of short book reading happening <laughs> right now. And then, but I like also feel like I want to get through things because I don't want it like weighing on me while I'm yeah. doing a lot of stuff. I'm reading The Murders of Molly Southborn. Southborn oh, tour.com book, right? Uh, Tade Thompson, or maybe yeah, I think it's Tade. T A D E. It is about a woman, a girl, and then she becomes a woman, but a girl who it, who. Every time she bleeds, she a, another version of her appears and tries to kill her. And the person is like the same. It is topical. It's born, yeah, it's born the same age. I'm doing a sci-fi movie, so this is why I started reading it. it she's the same age as she is. So it, at the time, so if she's six and she bleeds, or if she throws up or any sort of bodily thing, but bleed, bleeding is the main oh, way. No. Then another six-year-old appears. And sometimes it tries to be your friend, sometimes whatever, but then sometimes it tries to kill her. And then it becomes a big problem when she gets her period. <gasps> I yeah. was going to ask that. Yeah. It's wow. really a great read, and it's a sh- it's short. It's a, like it's one of these tour.com books that's like a novella. Yeah. So it's it's very in my wheelhouse, and it's pretty scary, but very... Well, have to re- I have a copy of it. I should read it. Oh, you should totally read it. It's really great. And the cover's cool. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful cover. Yeah. We'll link to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mallory, what are you reading? I am reading The Hero with a Thousand Faces. I don't know it. By Joseph Campbell. It's like this. Oh, oh like, like yeah. the Joseph Campbell book. Yeah, me and my guy are reading it together because we're writing a bunch of stuff. And it's like a big, it's like a great book to read when you're writing. And it's a, basically, it's a, it's sort of like a mythology book. It's this idea that like the hero's journey is yeah. basically the same in every single um, every single story that there is and Joseph Campbell like breaks down all the different parts like yeah, this is how it starts and this is you get the call to be a hero and then you refuse the call but then you go and then you find a mentor and it's like this link breakdown of how the hero's journey works and mixed in with all this mythology it's really good it's like definitely definitely a highlight book it's dumb that I said I didn't read it I read this in college and I wrote a paper about how all the books from Oprah's book club fit the same model as I the hero's read that journey. Paper. I don't that paper is long gone <laughs> in some old like desktop computer <laughs> that lives in a landfill now. Oh, I want to read that. That sounds but, cool. But it was at the time I was reading a lot of Oprah books, book club books, but also was in graduate school, so I had to write intelligent things. So I I used That's the hero's really journey to outline Oprah. Anyway. But, yeah, and it's not, yeah, it's, it's, but that's what's kind of cool about it is it's applicable to every type of book. Yeah. You know, it's not just like Lord of the Rings. It's also, you know, Bridget Jones' Diary. But it also is Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Pretty cool. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback from our middle grade episode. Lindsay wrote in, in response to your episode on middle grade fiction, I absolutely loved and still love anything by Lois Lowry. I am in love with YA and middle grade books that deal with the experience of children and youth in wartime. Very specific. Very specific wheelhouse. Love it. We love it. We love this stuff. (laughs) One of my favorites is actually by a Canadian author. Kit Pearson's The Sky is Falling is about two British children who come to Canada to escape the Battle of Britain based on true events. I am partial to this novel and its two sequels because, because of its focus on Canada. Canada's contributions during World War II and also for its badass heroine. I'll always be grateful to that book for providing me with a strong female role model who was my age at the time that I read it. Aw, that's great. 
Krista wrote in and said, I love that you are talking about middle grade books. Sometimes I think they are my favorites. As a librarian working in the children and youth section, I tend to read a lot of books for that target audience, but not because I have to, but because I always love to do so. Sometimes I think there's just less bullshit with those. I should put bullshit in quotes. So I think yes. it's funny. Sometimes I think there's just like bullshit, less bullshit with books for younger readers. They can be more condensed and more to the point. And as we all have been children, we all should be able to connect with young protagonists. Well, except for me, I hatched from a book fully formed. <laughs> now there was born. Like Athena. It was a, it was a warm winter's day. <laughs> and there was a book. And you hear the like... And a bunch of dust poofs out. <laughs> and you were actually had blue hair, and you're exactly what you look like now. You were born with glasses. Yeah. You weren't born with glasses, but but like basically an optometrist walked by and just threw them at you and was like, like you're going to need those, girl. <laughs> That's going to be my, the name of my autobiography. Mal Romero, born with glasses. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank Danielle, who runs our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. And just a reminder, guys, we do a monthly column in Apex Magazine called Page Advice, where we solve a reader problem every month. And you can check it out and subscribe at apexmagazine.com. We'll link in the show notes. It's only 22 bucks for the year, so you guys should check it out. And they have really great, it's, it's, it's fiction stories, yeah. mostly. And it's a really, it's a fun read. It's really great fiction stories. Yeah, we love it. So before we talk about reading memoirs, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is supported in part by Zola. They're reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience to make the happiest moment in couples' lives even happier. Zola Registry has what you'd find in a great department store, plus things like honeymoon funds, fitness classes, wine subscriptions, and much more. It's easy to use for couples and their guests. They have over 500 top brands and 50,000 gifts, experiences, and cash funds. Their group gifting feature lets multiple guests contribute to big-ticket gifts. They offer price matching and free shipping every day. Yeah, and we actually got to explore the site a little bit. They have all sorts of really cool stuff on there. It's super easy to use. Yeah, if there's anything you were thinking you wanted, they definitely are going to have it on there. And it's sort of a new way to do wedding registry. They even had pet stuff, which was very impressive to me. Not like if your pets get married, but like <laughs> if you have pets. <laughs> and you can buy cute stuff for your pets. I personally was very jealous of the orange juicer that was on there. Very mm. exciting stuff. And it's a really beautifully done website, so it's not like people are just clicking on your regular other kind of registry site. Yeah, it's going to snazz up your wedding. To sign up with Zola and receive a $50 credit towards your registry, go to Zola.com slash reading glasses. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash reading glasses. Hey, you with the headphones. Just between you and me, the Max Fun store just got some of that sweet, sweet new merchant stock. You know, that merch from your favorite Max Fun shows? Could be posters, tote bags, shirts, stickers, patches, aprons. We got it all. Well, we got a lot. Point is, there's some new stuff. Go to maxfunstore.com. This week, it's all about memoirs. Where do you find great ones? Are celebrity memoirs worth reading? If you've never read one, where do you start? And most importantly, are they all going to make you cry? Spoiler alert, no. But sometimes. Sometimes. Definitely sometimes. So there, so there, the difference between memoirs and autobiographies is a memoir is an autobiography. A memoir is actually a type of autobiography, but usually focuses on an event or a public thing in that person's life, but not necessarily their whole life that we yeah. think of. An autobiography we think of more is a person's life up until this point. 
as I say, until they die, but they can't write it after they're dead. Ooh, so I want to read a ghost autobiography. <laughs> Why is there not a ghost? Au- there is a ghost autobiography. Lincoln and the Bardo. Oh, yeah. Hey, there you go. Basically, they it should obviously be true, unless you're James Frey, and then you can write a memoir and be publicly shamed by Oprah, but then you can still make a pile of cash. So there's a lot of different kinds of memoirs. You know, it's not just all celebrities. It's actors, politicians, musicians, writers, completely random people. They're not all juicy tell-alls. People who've been in cults, that's a real great memoir subject. Yeah. You can find a memoir to fit just about anybody's taste, and they can be sad, but some of them are absolutely hilarious or really moving or just, like, really entertaining and, and fascinating. Some early memoirs were Julius Caesar. He wrote two. The first one was about wars, and the second one was about wars. Wow. Pretty fascinating uh, memoir stuff. You know, when you're really into th- one thing, man. You know, you got to write about the war or the first war you did, and then you also need to write about the second war you did. You when do you another know. war, and you're like, man, I got to write another book. And then from the 700s to the late 1100s, a lot of Japanese writers began writing daily journals. And they are things that we now consider to be early memoirs, basically. Little bits about their daily life that are not all-encompassing of their life. It's just bits and pieces, and then they're published in those memoirs. And then by the 1800s, we had what we can we have, like, memoirs of today. And as people at the top of their field started writing memoirs, like politicians and businessmen. And that's also when we got Walden. So that's when we started seeing what the thing that we think of as memoirs today. So, Bria, what kind of memoirs do you read? All right. I love that we have the opposite rules for this. this oh, yeah, very, yeah, very I know. Memoirs have to fulfill two points for me. Two, two important things. One, be someone I am interested in. Be written by a person I am interested in already. Like, I don't know if that's, like, super obvious. But so people, like, a lot of people write memoirs these days. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. I don't keep up with celebrity gossip. I'm not really on Instagram that much. I'm not going to just read that book because someone's like, this book is really funny. I'm like, no, I need to know who that person is. They need to be famous to me. I don't care if they're famous to everyone else. They need else. to be Bria famous. Yeah, they need to be famous to me, which is not the same as being famous to everyone else because, like, I am into very specific things. So- Socks, <laughs> snacks, snacks, dogs. Snacks. So if someone wrote a book about snacks and dogs, their life in the snack dog world, the most famous <laughs> snack dog person in the world. Bria would be first If a dog list, wrote a book, the most famous dog that I follow on Instagram. You would be there. Yeah. If that dog with his tongue sticking out that I follow on Instagram wrote a memoir, I'd be like, yes, thank you. Um, the second thing is... I will read a memoir if it's a, by someone who's in the same career career field that I'm in or career field that I'm interested in. Like, so filmmakers, writers, actors. I don't really have to be as interested in that person, like, as a person. So I'm just reading it because I want advice. I want to see what this person was like. So, for example, I, had, I haven't really – I'm not that familiar with Portia de Rossi's career as a – I mean, I guess I saw Ally McBeal. But I then, did not. I, I, I wish Shelley McBeal. But anyway, she wrote this um, memoir about when she, during that, about that time period of her life, which I read right when I started acting. And it was really super interesting to read because it was just about her getting her start and being on Ally McBeal. It was also majorly about her eating disorder. It was mostly about her eating disorder. It was really disturbing to read. And there's all these photos of her. And it's whatever. It was, a, it's a really triggering book if you have eating disorder issues, but it was um, a really great read and it wasn't the kind of thing where I'm like oh I I'm like a fan of her I'm a fan of hers now that I've read her memoir but before that I wasn't like as familiar with her work so basically one of those two things all right what about you what makes you read a memoir I'm the total opposite because I I love memoirs I love reading about people's lives their feelings it's like one of the reasons we read fiction right is because we love the characters well this is memoirs or that but they're real but I read I only read memoirs about people that I don't know anything about 
Okay. <laughs> and for me, it's, it's this what, re- what makes you pick it up? Uh, I just hear about oh. hear about things like okay. I like just in the book community. And my whole thing is if it's a memoir about a person that I don't know anything about and it's good, then it's really good. That's true. Because it's not like I don't have the familiarity with them to bring me through the book. Yeah, that makes sense. Like two of some of my favorite memoirs that I've done recently um, in the past couple of years, my one of my favorite ever, which is Alan Cummings uh, memoir, My Father's Son. I had never really seen any of his movies, oh. um, but it's one of my favorite memoirs ever uh, i had never heard slater kinney until i listened to carrie brownstein's hunger is a modern girl hunger makes me a modern girl uh now Did they play the slater kinney on the yeah on oh, the audiobook do? um yeah. and uh, just side note alan's coming if you wanted to read my father's son do it on audio because alan cummings voice sounds like a mountain is talking to you like mm. a big <laughs> a very sexy scottish mountain um yeah, I just like I, I love reading mem- what 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 also helps me choose memoirs. It's I love reading memoirs of people going through hard things that I've gone through. Uh, my father's son is about his estrangement from his dad, and I'm estranged from my dad. Oh, yeah. Carrie Brownstein's Hunger Makes Me About Modern Girl deals a lot with eating disorders, which I've like gone and through and anxiety. survived and anxiety. Yeah, and so that like it's the more the content, and especially if it's somebody I don't know anything about, even if, even if they're super famous, I'll pick it up. And I've found so many good memoirs that way. So also speaking of audiobooks, if you're looking for a good place to start with them memoirs are it it's like having a friend tell you a story amanda palmer's art of asking is an amazing memoir Uh, i the last audiobook that i listened to was samantha irby's we are never meeting in real life which is the funniest the funniest audiobook i've done all year it's my favorite i think it's my number one of the year it's so funny you can't touch my hair by phoebe robinson they're all really really good on audio and they're good if you have a hard time listening to audiobooks because you can you know miss like if you're doing something and you can't hear it for a second, you're not like missing a key plot point, you know? Right, totally. That makes so sense. So it's a really good place to start with audio. So if you never never read a memoir, a good place to think about is to go look for an author whose fiction you read and see if they've ever released a memoir. Yeah. Because that's a good way to find someone that you're interested in and you already know you like their writing. Exactly. Uh, like Sherman Alexie, uh, he released a memoir this year. What are your favorite memoirs, Bria? I loved Carrie Brownstein's book. I love Amanda Palmer's book. But I loved their music before I read their books. Interesting. And then I also love Me by Katherine Hepburn. That's a memoir about a time in her life basically where her career was not going so great. And then she sort of revitalized her career herself. And so it's a very interesting for anyone in the film industry or any industry who's just it's like, oh, yeah, I, this is how I do this. I also this last year I read Just Kids. The Patty Smith. Patty Smith one. I did M Train this year, actually, by nice. her on audio. And she's a great writer, but yeah. also good music. So it's like, you know, I it's something that I already knew I was going to be interested. What about you? What are your favorite memoirs? I'm a big fan of Melissa Fibos. She has two memoirs out, Whip Smart and Abandoned Me, and they're both amazing. Priest Daddy by Patricia Lockwood, which is currently, like, my top book of the year. It is just perfect, and it's the funniest book I've read this year and I loved it. The Chronology of Water by Lydia Yuknovich, which is one of, she's one of my favorite feminist writers. And she um, she's also a fiction writer, but it's just such a stunning memoir. It's going to make you cry. Cry cry warning. Uh, she's just incredible. Mallory, if you wrote a memoir, what time of your life would it focus on? Funnily enough, I am. that's part of my book that I'm writing right now. And, uh, it's, and it's about now, this moment in your life? Uh, well, the book that I'm writing right now is a biography of the woman who designed the creature from the Black Lagoon, but it's also a memoir of my time working in film at the in the exact same industry that she did 60 years later, and what it's what the differences and what the similarities are. Mm. So it's it's just about being, me being a woman in the horror world and a woman in the film world, and because um, that's you know 
It's a big part of my life. It's a big part of both of our lives. <laughs> it's true. What and about you? That is what we do day in, day out. What about you, Bria? If I wrote a memoir, I don't know. I don't know what, I mean, I feel like, do you talk about like the hardest time in your life or like the time in your life where you feel like you peaked or like what is like the, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like growing up in East Texas is a very like different thing for a lot of people, especially we ended up doing what I do now yeah there's not many people a lot of people stay there and which is not a bad thing that's a choice and I, but I definitely didn't necessarily fit in there I shaved my head in ninth grade and a lot of things and <laughs> and so like that that's kind of an interesting thing but I don't know if I could remember enough about it that's the thing about a memoir like how the fuck do you remember these things to write it down oh I don't know I just I remember stuff I don't remember things like that so I don't know the answer is maybe it would just be like a book of essays about various times in my life. But, you know, I, I guess I have some good stories, too, about, like, when I first got on Heroes. And, like, that was, like, a big change for me because I went from, like, waiting tables and, like, having a traditional job. That's, like, a tr- like a true L.A. story right there. Yeah, that took me – yes, it was an overnight success that took me, like, four or five years to achieve. That's how all overnight <laughs> successes are. Yeah, that's true. It's true. But it was a very exciting time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I would read that. Mm. Send your thoughts on memoirs to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to Anna Akana about her memoir, we're going to take a quick break. I'm Jesse. I'm Jordan. And we've been doing Jordan Jesse Go for almost 10 years now. And it's not gotten any easier to describe. So we asked our fans to do it for us. Jordan Jesse Go is a weekly conversation with two best pals, two hilarious friends, the hilarious smart kids talking about hilarious stuff that happens to them, mostly really stupid stuff, awkward anecdotes, insane tangents, heartfelt It's like being thrown in the middle of a hilarious conversation between you and your best pals. It's a show that makes me laugh every week, which is pretty rare and wonderful. It might be the best thing on the internet. One of the funniest things you will hear. And it's the best part of my week and has kept me company for the past seven years through all sorts of life. I love those guys. That's Jordan Jesse Go, the comedy podcast that's been named Best of iTunes. Every Monday on MaximumFun.org or your favorite podcasting software. I'll hug you and kiss you and love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. All right, we are here with actor and writer Anna Akana, an author of the new book, So Much I Want to Tell You. Anna, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here, guys. What are you reading right now? Um, I'm actually reading The Sociopath Next Door. Ooh, tell us about that. Uh, I just started it. It basically posits this theory that one in every five people have sociopathic tendencies and kind of the different types of sociopaths out there. Wow, that's a lot of people. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty high. (laughs) That explains all of Los Angeles. So you you recently released this excellent memoir called So Much I Want to Tell You. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. um, Basically, originally it was titled Letters to My Little Sister. That's sort of the subtitle now. Um, But every chapter outlined sort of a lesson that I've learned that I would pass on to my sister if she were still alive. Uh, She was a victim of suicide when she was 13. So the book is aimed at younger women um, and kind of help navigating either your professional life, your personal love life, friendships, eating disorders, etc. Well, I'll tell you, I'm 36 and I got a lot out of it. So it doesn't have to be for younger women. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, So, but in the book, you really talk about a lot of tough subjects you know you you talk about abortion you talk about suicide all these kind of things what what is 
the writing process for that? Is it different than writing something else? Uh, like, what did you go through when you were writing that? Oh, man, writing about yourself for like a year and a half is really exhausting, it, especially because when I was uh, when I sold the book, I was 26 at the time. So there was always this part of me that was like, no one wants a memoir from a 26 year old. Um, the hardest thing I think about the writing process was actually the editing process. There was quite a lot taken out of the book that I now wish I had fought to stay in. Um, originally the book opened on an extremely detailed account of the day my sister died and what it was like, you know, going to sleep with my family that very night or going to the funeral uh, having to go back to school and telling people about what happened and really outlining what the grief system was like at the time. And my editors were like, you know what, we, we love the raw emotion in this, but we don't think it matches with the rest of the book in terms of tone. And so they gutted it. And now I wish I had fought for it to stay in because ultimately as much as I love what's in the book, I feel like so much of it would have had a deeper impact or at least would have felt more valid knowing where it had come from. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. I guess that is, that is tough. And that's sort of an interesting thing about a memoir is everything is so, it's so personal. I, I don't know. seems like it'd be impossible to write. Um, so this episode we're doing is actually all about memoirs. And I know you read a lot of memoirs to prep for this book. Can you give some example or some ones that you really like, some favorites to the folks that uh, are listening to the show? Um, I actually, my biggest frustration was I didn't like a lot of the memoirs that I read. I read a bunch of YouTube memoirs. The one that I actually did like was Joey Graceffa's. Uh, I think it was like called my life pixelated or something like that because he went into detail about his abusive mother and uh, his relationship with her. I felt like a lot of the other memoirs were kind of lacking in terms of substance. Like I'd read Tina Fey's Bossy Pants and as much as I love her, like, I, I don't know. I think you read a memoir of a person that you admire hoping to really get a glimpse into their life and like, like the nitty gritty of what they went through. That's why you buy the book. And I, I was really disappointed with a lot of memoirs like based on how little they kind of went into their own personal lives and more just like professional stories like Amy uh, Poehler's Yes Please as much as I enjoyed the funny aspect of it I was really hoping for like a deeper dive into like any depression issues that she struggled with or what it was like being a woman in the industry um, and so I kind of read a lot of them as research and, and took away what I what I what, what I thought was missing and tried to put it into my book. Yeah, you definitely did that. I feel like you went through, you went to great lengths to make sure that people knew that it was a personal book and it was like your personal journey and you covered all these like tough issues like race and, and being a woman and all these things. I mean, I think it was really great. Oh, thank you. Um, so if you could read a memoir by anyone in the world that you're a fan of, living or dead, who would it oh, be? Oh man, there's so many. I would love to hear Obama's tell-all. Like after all this Trump shit is done, like to just hear him like go into it, that would be like amazing. Um, I'd also love to read Jennifer Lawrence's just because she's such a private person that it'd, I'd be curious to hear more about what it's like to be at that echelon of fame and how weird it is. Um, it's probably those two. So Anna, tell us about your reading life. Do you have any weird reading quirks you'll, you want to confess to us and share with the listeners? Um, I can't read in a bathtub. Otherwise, my book will be like five minutes long because I get really like hot when I'm reading for some reason. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I try to read at least like 50 books every year. Um, I've reread the Harry Potter series almost every Thanksgiving for my whole life. Um, I think that's like it. 
That's impressive you read 50 books. So people who listen to the show are always writing in and they're like, I wish I had more time to read. And I feel like you're very busy. How do you make time to read? Or what do you do? do you, is it a priority for you? It's definitely a priority for me. I'm also really like accomplishment based. So if I haven't gotten a book done in a while, I feel antsy. But I, I've started bringing a book around with me wherever I go. And whenever I have the impulse to look at my phone, I pull out my book instead. And I'm really lucky. I'm able to read like a page or two at a time and really retain what I've been reading as long as I'm like, you know, doing that every once in a while, whereas some people feel like they have to have a book in a sitting and have like a big chunk of it. Um, I'm really good at like getting a page here or there like every day. Yeah, and that's great. That's a way to get through a book. I mean, that's a quick yeah. way to get through. First books are the life. So do you have a favorite book to gift to people? Um, I love gifting the Why the Last Man graphic novel series by Brian Brown. It's one of my favorites. Oh, that's that's a great comic book. Oh, so good. Okay, so if people want to find you, they want to find your book, where should they look? Um, the book's on Amazon. So much I want to tell you, Letters to My Little Sister by Anna Arcana. Um, if you just Google me, all of my handles are just my name. Fantastic. Sweet. Anna, thank, thank you so much for coming oh, on the show. Thank you, guys. Now we're going to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. This is one of my favorite questions we've ever been asked. Kimberly writes, I carry around books constantly, normally just one, but sometimes two if I know I'll be away for a while. I'm a fairly slow reader, so I can sometimes have the same book in my bag for up to two months at a time. I live a super busy life, so finding a moment in a lineup or at lunch alone to read is why I carry them around. I've tried many different purses and bags and toes, but I always run into the same problem. My books get demolished. Aww. The inside of my purse is a lot like my chaotic life. My boyfriend's family refers to it as the grandma purse because I can be guaranteed to have anything anyone needs in my purse at all times. So basically, it's super full in there. Is there a product or a tricky way in which I can carry my life and my books in my bag at the same time without my books getting wrecked? It's not that I don't love my books. It's just that I love them too much and I can't leave them at home. Sure. Kimberly, girl, you came to the right place. Me and Bria both rock that grandma purse lifestyle every day. I, what's your advice? What's your, do you have specific advice? Oh, yeah. Okay. So my first piece of advice is when you go purse, like right off the bat, when you go purse shopping, I always bring a large tr like trade paperback with me when I look. So I can, uh, like I usually use a giant tote bag as a purse, but when I buy an actual purse, I always try to find one that has a side pocket or a compartment that comfortably fits a book. And I will, like a crazy person, be going around the store, putting my book in different purses and seeing which How one fits. How big of a book do you bring? It's like a big trade paperback. So it's like, because mass markets can fit in anything. And I don't right. like, you know, I don't want to bring a giant hardcover, but I want to find something that's like sort of just right and will fit. And, you know, I know that I can get a book in there. And that way the book's always protected. Um, and if you don't have a side pocket, like is often the case when, when I use tote bags, I will sometimes wrap a book in a bandana, like a weird old timey book hobo. Oh, yeah. You can also keep a giant Ziploc bag or a big fabric pouch, which I also have in oh, your bag to keep your book in. That's or good. I also I do I do sometimes a tote within a tote. Yeah. I'll I will do, do a tote around a book. And then put that inside a backpack or whatever. I'm tra if I'm traveling, I put, oh, yeah. I put like the things I need inside of a tote. So it's a bag in a bag. And then you have an extra bag just in case. <laughs> and so you, like you can try those stretchy fabric book covers, but it won't protect the pages. So some kind of separate pouch or bag is best. Bria, what do you do? Kimberly. 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 She, Bria's been waiting for this for so long. I think it's time you came over to the dark side and became an e-reader. <laughs> I don't carry around one book at a time. I carry around... 12 to 15 books at a time. <laughs> this is where I do my evil laugh, but I don't really have one. But if I did, it would go right here. Evil laugh. <laughs> Insert, Insert it here. <laughs> if I, like, was good enough at editing, I would put in some sort of, like, this is when we take over the world. Um, 
listen, I carry so many books. It's in one time. They don't get fucked up. I also have them on my fucking phone at all times. So even when I forget my Kindle, I'm ready to go. And it's Bria's caught up to the books page. With two hands. And it's caught, caught up to the page. The Kindle syncs with my with my Kindle, my carry, my e-reader Kindle. And I they sync with each other. So I'm always ready to read at the page I was reading. I don't know. I think if you're worried about these books, Kimberly, you may want to consider the e-reading world. I know it's not as romantic, but it is for those of us who just enjoy convenience. I'm a very convenience-oriented person. That's my opinion. I will say one thing. I do carry a lot of notebooks because I, one, my mother makes me a lot of notebooks. It's very- Did your mom make you that one? Yeah. This one? Uh, yeah, the one I'm holding. I have one sitting next to me, which is, uh, is my best. book. My book notebook. Yeah, I know. It's really cute, right? She's the best. But I carry around a lot of notebooks because I make notes in them when I'm in meetings because I don't want to bring out my computer or my phone and make notes. Yeah. And so I do have this problem with notebooks sometimes. And what I've started doing is I carry a backpack now. Hey, man, not, they're not, coming back. Not glamorous. I'm not wearing it on like a red carpet or due to like a really important meeting. Then I'll just carry my notebook. But if I'm just throwing a notebook and I know I have a full day of like doing shit ahead of time, I'll carry this backpack. It's real cute. It has polka dots also given to me by my mother. <laughs> <laughs> and I can fit a lot of stuff in it, which includes my backpack is so full of shit. It's like wallet, makeup bag, notebook. Kindle, like it, it snacks, has snacks. It always has a couple snacks in there, a couple bars and things to to eat. But yeah, so I would say a backpack also works instead if you don't want to carry a grandma purse. Yeah, and there's cute ones. Oh, it yeah. doesn't have to be like a Jan Sport. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or the LL Bean ones with your initials on the back. Oh you remember those? I had um a clear one in seventh grade oh. because we started getting required to carry a clear one. Yeah, so you're not bringing guns in. No one was bringing guns in, but that was what it was. It was because of guns. And um, I'm, people are bringing guns in, but just not to Marshall, Texas. That's not where people were bringing guns. And Or if they did, they left them in their car for when they went hunting later. And, but we had to carry these clear backpacks, and they were plastic. And they broke within a year, oh, and they were gross. so ugly. Yeah, they're gross. Ruined all fashion in East Texas. Put fashion back at least 10 years in East Texas. So if you want us to solve your backpack problems, <laughs> you can send them to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. Reading Glasses is also pleased to offer interactive transcripts of the show through Greta. Go to G-R-E-T-T-A dot com slash reading underscore glasses to read and turn your favorite reading glasses moments into clips that you can share out on social media. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglasses. Thanks for listening, and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.